Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. Oh my goodness, we have delicious Moroccan food from Anissa Wahid of Tara Kitchen in Schenectady, New York. They can also be found at tarakitchen.com and a bunch of other places. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And uh, I just wanted to start with, first of all, the design of the products that you have, the ready-to-use products that are available in stores like Whole Foods, um, co-ops, grocery stores. The design is beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. And because there are things like preserved lemons and harissa, um, I wanted to ask you, what are some of your favorite ingredients in Moroccan cuisine? I think preserved lemon tops it. Preserved lemon? Definitely. Yeah. It's it's unique. It's different. It's, um, in my opinion, uh, the most unique way of using lemons um, in cooking. Lots of cultures preserve lemons, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of Asian cultures and, you know, lots of different uh, cuisines have preserved food. But when I tasted the preserved lemons in Morocco in cooking with the chicken or with fish, it was just such a spectacular experience. So I think for me, um, preserved lemons will always be that quintessential ingredient, which, you know, uh, evokes Morocco immediately, mm-hmm. evokes um, the different, um, a flavor f- profile that's so different that I didn't have never found anywhere else. Is this one of the ones you sell the most of? Definitely. <laughs> I mean, sometimes my husband and I um, are so shocked by the number of cases Whole Foods will order from us for New York City. Um, you know, in a month we might take down like, anywhere from 50 to 60 cases of preserved lemons, and we're like, what are they doing with them? I mean, are people really buying them that much, or are they? It's shocking to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think preserved lemons, harissa, Moroccan food, ras al-hanu, is currently on an upward trend in the food industry anyway. So, um, you know, there are studies that show that harissa, the North African hot sauce, is poised to take over the sriracha market, wow. which would be phenomenal and something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> um, I mean, you see her, uh, sriracha so much now that you don't even think of it as you know coming from another cultural cuisine. It just right. feels completely American. Um, it's trending. Lots of cookbooks are calling for it. And preserved lemons, although super easy to make, are are time consuming and are weather dependent and lemon dependent, you know, so it's not as easy as it seems. So I think it's just easier to go out and buy a jar. (laughs) Lots (laughs) of people take my cooking class and say, oh, I'm gonna make that. And then, you know, a few weeks later, they come back and say, let me just buy a jar. (laughs) (laughs) At least they tried though. Yeah, of course. Uh, So I think, yeah, it definitely sells really well for us. Yeah, sometimes I'm a DIY person at heart, but there are times when you need to get really unique ingredients and either you can't find them in the area that you live or you have to buy so much of it just for this one little pinch you know and it's just easier sometimes yeah Yeah, absolutely I agree when did you start putting these in stores Um, so the restaurant opened in 2012 I spent probably all of 2013 going through the um, uh, requirements to uh, sell 
right? You make a food product, it's not easy as just jarring it and then putting it on our shelves. So we had to go through a fairly stringent process of getting the recipes approved hmm. uh, and filed with the FDA and um, get the insurance and all that stuff. So Do you I, make samples and stuff for them? Cornell University has a arm for food entrepreneurs, and you go, basically go through them and you say, hey, I have an idea for food, I want to jar it. And when I started to jar the foods, I had never ever in my life jarred anything. So I had absolutely <laughs> no idea how to do this. I called the local health department, I asked other people who were jarring and canning, and the, and and there's extreme amount of variables to this process. So there are a million ways you can do it, and you just have to find the one that works for you and your recipe. So I, I had to start from ground zero, honestly. I had to kind of figure out what is it that I want to put in the jar. And then you have to figure out how are you going to seal it so it becomes shelf stable that you can sell. When you take a product out to a store, that's what they ask you is how long is it valid yeah. on the shelf and those kind of questions. So there was a lot of science behind this that I had no knowledge of that I had to go and learn and study. So that took me a good year. And finally, all the recipes got approved, and then it happened extremely fast. So I think the first time we put the product out on shelves was really 2014, and now we're like in over 100 stores. Wow. And uh, it just keeps, knock on wood, growing. Mm -hmm. And um, people, I think, appreciate the fact that it's unique. I, I wanted to do all-natural, preservative-free, and that was very important to me. Um, and to have flavors that made you want to purchase again you know I mean I think anybody would buy something they saw for the first time and say oh yeah let me try Moroccan food and but I have to have the customer come back and buy it again so we worked extremely hard on creating recipes that gave you a true authentic Moroccan food experience in a very simple easy way to do at home do you sell a lot in the store after people have eaten there, or is it most? Yeah. No, we, of course, the store sells um, a lot of And initially, when we created the product, the goal was to um, have that be a point of sale for the customer in the restaurant, right? It's like mm -hmm. people were asking me for this. So I said, okay, we'll make something. We'll put it on our shelves. But what, once we put it on our shelves, pretty much stores started calling us and saying, you know, well, this is a product we want to carry. Um, so it just kind of took on a life of its own. So do you think that you'll stick with Moroccan food or will you introduce some any kind of fusion recipes or anything in the works? Um, I think that for the most part, I'd, I'll probably stick to the Moroccan food at the moment. You know, never mm -hmm. say never. Who, whoever thought that a girl who was born in India, grew up in Schenectady, would own a Moroccan <laughs> restaurant? Right? Like, never say never. Mm -hmm. um, I love to cook. And sometimes I just want to kind of just make some food and have people just come and eat it you know, and not have it be labeled that it's either Moroccan or Indian or it's just you know, good food it's just like, <laughs> ultimately would I love to do that I think like ultimately that'd be a dream for me to have a, a restaurant or a space where I just cooked food that people came to eat and you know no questions asked and just ate what I feed like you. a new menu every day yeah <laughs> you know I think I would love to do that but I think there's still so much depth and there's still so much for me to explore within the Moroccan foods spectrum that um, I'm probably going to be playing here for a while. So I'm a noob at this, a newbie, I guess. Yeah. So 
If I want to eat this chicken, how, do I just put it on the bread and roll it up? No, you take the bread and you kind of dip it in the sauce and then you eat, um, you use your bread as your tool to eat the tagine. So okay. most tagines are eaten with some form of bread that you kind of dip in the sauce. And most tagines are stew-like, um, so that's the best way to eat them. Hmm. I'll have to go to the restaurant and try it out. Yeah. Well, you could try some now because she's brought something. Yeah, that's please. true. So, what is this chicken here? That's the chicken with the preserved lemons and green olives. Um, so it has the lemons that are in that jar, and then you kind of balance the lemons with the flavors of olives. And I like a little tiny hint of sweetness in there, so we use raisins in my recipe. Is that just for your recipe, or is that did you like throw that in on? Uh, I think you know, different people make it different ways, but I li I like it with the raisins. Oh, wow, that was loud creak. <laughs> and some people actually do it without uh, the raisins also, so there are many ways to make it. So is this and I'm mixing things up here. They're like I'm looking all for coming together. It's always hard to find a fork around. Does this all, oh, the fish also have the lemons in there? The fish is made with honey. So it's it has honey, it has lots and lots and lots of onions that actually kind of balance the sweetness of the honey. Um, with ras al hanu, which is a seasoning blend, and lemons. So that's a little bit on the sweeter side. This chicken's wonderful. I mm. love the spices, but I'm not a heat person. Yeah. So Flavors. a lot of spice around here. Yeah. If it's spicy, it's hot. Yeah. Like yeah. hot. <sighs> yeah. So I like being able to taste a lot of spices with that, all that heat just overwhelming I, everything. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I think... It, you know, I love spicy food, but I also want to have food that has flavor without the heat. So you can actually taste. Um, sometimes I'll eat raw chilies because I want to feel the numbness <laughs> in my head. I love doing that. I would not be able to survive that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what works in the Ras Al Hanu is there's a lot of warmth from the spices. There's a lot yes. of flavor, but it's not spicy. It's also another one of our really top sellers because people will buy it to just put it on eggs just flavor eggs with it or um you know potatoes or anything really yeah and kids can eat it my we travel with the jar of russell hanu because my <laughs> kids are so obsessed with the flavor of the russell <laughs> hanu that um their teacher at school tells me all the time she's like oh um you know zoya said she's not going to eat this because it's not mommy's broccoli or it's not <laughs> Um, that is the issue with having mom being a cook yeah, and having that <laughs> level of cooking at home and then not at the school. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we, we travel with our Russell Hanu too. <laughs> this is great. And you can really taste the preserved lemon in the chicken. It's like the first thing you taste and it's yeah. so refreshing. It is. I can understand why it's your favorite. This is my first time trying them. But I can understand why it's your favorite ingredient. Yeah, it's just... It's really nice. Mm -hmm. And there are many, many, many ways to use it. That's what I keep discovering and finding is... I feel like you could put it on top of vanilla ice cream. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? I was watching Chopped yesterday. I love that um, show. And one of the entree surprise baskets had harissa oranges and uh, orange sherbet. And everybody was like, what are we going to do? And I was like, oh, my God, that's like my, you know, dream basket. <laughs> you missed you your episode. You were on that episode. <laughs> exactly. I was like, just, just do 
this, just do this. <laughs> of course, they did amazing things with it, but yeah, it was pretty funny. So, but, what would you? What would be your worst nightmare if you got on there and then they gave you a basket of food? I will not cook with pork um, for my own religious reasons. So I think that would probably just throw me for a loop. Um, I've often thought about that. Like, can I just be like, hey, you know, I want to be on and let me apply, but I'm I'm not going to cook with pork. Uh, I don't know. So I think that, but other than that, um, you know. You can make it work? I could probably make it work. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That'd be fun, right? A challenge? I think so. I mean, running a kitchen every day is a challenge because you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's so interesting. Five years into this, um, something that we talk about is every day is a new day. Every day is different Mm -hmm. because it brings in different customers, different people, and everybody comes in with... You know their own set of what they need and require, and you have to each day. It's like doing a pop up every day. Yeah. Uh, and because we do such a different, unique cuisine, it, that brings its own set of. Um, right. It's not just what everyone can go down the street and get. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to cater differently to customers on a, on a daily basis. So I think, I, yeah, I, I can make it work. So do you think that you feel like you're always having to make sure everything is perfect because? People can't just go next door and get, you know, it's not like a burger and fries. You know, it's a specific type of food. Do you feel like it has to be perfect every, every, every single time because it's sort of representing this whole That's interesting you say say that because I feel like you even when you're not perfect, there is no other option for the customers. That's true. Right. Of course, we strive every single day to be perfect. But I feel like in some ways, I have less of that pressure because of the fact that nobody else does this. Okay. So whereas if I was making a burger or a sandwich, I would have to make it perfect every day because why would I go to your sandwich place when right. his sandwich place is so much better? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If, if you make turkey sandwich this way, but he makes it the other way. Um, so in some ways, I feel that we can maybe get away or we have a little bit of leeway. But at the same time, because we are doing something so unique and different and something that somebody might be trying for the first time or somebody that, you know, the wife dragged the husband <laughs> in. You don't want to put them off of Moroccan exactly. food right away. So in that sense, I feel a lot of pressure. You know, I feel that I have to hit it on the nail every single meal because I do, those are the people, uh, to me, are the scariest because those are the ones that you don't want to turn off. You know, you mm-hmm. want that their, would be me. Yeah, you want their <laughs> first experience to be something. This is you delicious. know, I, I don't expect to convert every single customer to like you know being a raving Moroccan food fan, but I at least want them to say, hey, I tried this new experience and it was good. Am I going to do this every weekend? Maybe not, but maybe I'll come back, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe I'll eat Moroccan at another Moroccan restaurant in another city somewhere, or maybe I'll go to Morocco. Um, so I think that's the dialogue that's more important to me than, um, you know, do I have to hit it perfectly every day just to kind of keep getting the people back in. I think that the conversation, it starts about Morocco, the conversation it starts about. It, it's incredible to me that at my restaurant, which is an ethnic restaurant run by a Muslim couple, immigrant couple, um, people from all walks of life can come and enjoy this food, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how, what your political views are, no matter what your religious views are, no matter what you feel about 
you know, different cultures, but we, we get people from all walks of life who come in and say, oh, this is great. It's good food. Um, so I think that is very important to me, is making sure that that happens. Well, food connects all cultures. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much overlap, yeah. you know. Um, there are parts that make it unique from place to place and from recipe to recipe, but initially it's there's some meat, there's some rice, there's some vegetable, there's some yeah. fruit, you know, it's and it brings people together in that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not that scary. Yeah, people can be turned off by the sauce of chicken tiki masala, the right. Indian food, and they just won't touch it. Yeah. Because we don't usually have orange sauces typically in yeah. American food. Yeah, absolutely. It's always red, <laughs> red or white. Yeah, absolutely. And and the interesting part to me in that is chicken tikka masala is not even Indian. You know? <laughs> is that our like our American version? Of, it's like, actually British. British. So it was, a, it was a recipe that was created in England for the British uh, soldiers who came back from India. Hmm. So the, the whole creamy, orangey curry powdery stuff that we eat here. <laughs> it's all the British's fault. <laughs> hey, I'll go with that. <laughs> he doesn't mean that. Anyone listening in Britain, he doesn't mean I'm that. I'm Scottish. It's fine. <laughs> See, he can say it. Yeah. Say it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I have a question about, is this part of what people would call the Mediterranean diet? Uh, because the Mediterranean touches quite a bit, or is that just like South Europe? No, I think um, definitely there are, you know, parts of Mediterranean food influence here. The olives and using fresh herbs and, you know, all of that stuff. Eating very light. Lots of seafood. There's tons yeah. of seafood and Moroccan food. Um, so absolutely. I think, you know, there's lots of influences in Morocco from different cultures, but Mediterranean, I think, is a strong one. Definitely. Because okay. yeah. you hear people say that and you just, like, do they mean just some people will talk about that and just talk about Italy. Right. Another one that will talk about another country. It's yeah, like it's the Mediterranean is kind of bigger than just one or two well, places. Well, yeah, and then some people or, think that North Africa is like, oh, it's not a big deal, but there's so much there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As we're finding out. Yeah, no, or, you know, just thinking that Mediterranean means Greek. I think that yeah, a lot of people really just think that Mediterranean food means Greek food, um, whereas it actually, you know, south of Spain, in North Africa, in Italy, all of those places are kind of eating the Mediterranean diet, right? Yeah. Well, good. I feel good about eating now. <laughs> yes, this is delicious and healthy. Food. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all, most of this food, actually all of at least my food, has no dairy, um, you know, is uh, very low fat, is uh, lots of fresh vegetables, fresh ingredients. Um, I think that's key of not only making this food so good, but also good for you. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it fits into that. I guess the way a lot of people like to eat, a lot of yeah. fresh stuff. Yeah, I think that it kind of speaks to the popularity of um, the restaurant as well is just the fact that we do fresh, you know, um, we make every single thing fresh every single day. And that's we're very diligent about that. So you said you have a lot of, or every day is a different. So we like to end on a funny story. I yeah. assume you have some, at least one. <laughs> Everyone gives that face when I they know. ask about funny stories. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh. And we never have a camera on them. <laughs> I know. Uh, a funny restaurant story? I mean, we've had lots of strange stories. I don't know if it, they're funny. 
not so much strange, but we'll, we'll get a lot. I, this is what I find interesting. When customers come into the restaurant who've never ever had Moroccan food before, who don't know what the flavors are, who don't know how to put these things together, and who'll say that they want to create a tagine themselves. And you're like, how are you going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. To me, that is such an interesting thought. Is, is that just an American thing? I don't know. I mean, I guess just I'm just going to do it myself. I think that's the way Chipotle works, right? Yeah. I, I would yeah. never, ever eat at Chipotle, ever, because that drives me bananas. Like, why do I have to go into a restaurant and ha have to create something? You make it for me. Like, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Like, you tell me what's good, mm -hmm. and you put a price on it, and I'll buy it. I'll eat it. Like, I don't want to go in there and be like, yeah, give me the, you know, beans with the salsa. No, I don't want to do that. Like, put it together for me. So, uh, to me, that's really interesting as just a psychologist point of view is um, what goes through these people's mind when they come in and they say you know let me do this or take this out or don't do this or don't do that that baffles me is okay you've never had this before how mm -hmm. do you know how it's going to taste the way it is or how do you know that you're going to put something together that is going to work and then how do I take ownership of that so mm. say you come in and you're like, okay, make this, and I make it. And then you're like, this sucks. <laughs> well, so you who's made to it. blame? <laughs> right. Yeah. Am I to blame because I made it, or are you to blame because you put it together? I think that's it baffles me every day. I've never me. thought of it that way. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. you have a point. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we just live in a, it's, I want it the, my way society. Blame Burger King. Yeah, as the whose book was that? That was uh, Sophie Egan's book. We did mm -hmm. a show on that Burger King started out with the "Have it your way" burgers uh, in like the eighties or something. Yep, and now oh it's become yeah. the fast casual. I don't want it my way. If I want it in my way, do it at home, <laughs> right? Well, we know now that Tara Kitchen is not fast casual. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another thing. When people walk in and they say, can you like do it really fast? We're like, no. <laughs> if we're not McDonald's, it's not drive-through that you can order here Sit and then pick it out. <laughs> well, because every tagine we make is cooked to order. Oh, so okay. every when you walk in, I have nothing. You put it in order, and we put it in a tagine, and we cook it. I, I can't even make it go any faster, even if I <laughs> wanted to, right? It's, yeah. So that's another thing that's very interesting to me when people walk in and they say, "Yeah, I, I only have like ten minutes." So, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> There's some bread. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's the difference. I mean, you can have your food fast of lower quality and not as tasty, or you can wait a little bit and have something that's going to have some flavor profiles developed because it had time to cook and, you know, it's made with fresh ingredients and it's made to order and that's the price you pay. You pay, you know, you you have to wait a little bit to get that good food. Yeah, but I also think that the whole idea of what a good wait time is very distorted. Right. Because we feel like if you if you waited five or seven minutes, you know, to get like your appetizers or whatever, or like maybe 15 minutes for your meal, that that's really long. That's how people feel, mm -hmm. because we have created a food environment where we want to be done with our eating in as little time as possible. So then we can be doing whatever else it is that we're trying to do, whereas lots of other cultures will spend two hours just eating. Yeah. 
hour is breakfast and three hours is dinner. It's not about like, okay, I'm in, I'm out, I ate something. Oh yeah, that was good. Now let's get out. So I think that what we think is a good wait time or what should take, you know, time to like get good food is very distorted. Yeah. Well, you're dealing with Chipotle, where it can be in and out. <laughs> yeah, you know, you enter and then you come out. And uh, I did it one time in New York City when I was working in the city back in, I don't know, the early 2000s. And I was like, this is almost barbaric. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And, and, and the amazing part is there are lines out the door. Right? Oh, yeah. People just waiting. and They're waiting to get spend 15 minutes to get their food. <laughs> <laughs> and make it you know it's really interesting to me very interesting well we'll have to come experience your restaurant now absolutely thank you so much for doing this absolutely thank you guys it was fun that was Anissa Wahid of Tara Kitchen in Schenectady, New York this has been Food Friday Leftovers I'm Ashley Kinsey and I'm Dave Hopper be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2pm on WAMC Northeast Public Radio our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge. Mm-hmm.